0: mm mm-hmm. Cup, where we will be spilling all sorts of tea about what's going on inside Washington, D.C., what regulators and lawmakers are thinking about and working on, and what you and your credit union should be evaluating in terms of risk areas and areas of opportunity. I'm your host, Ann Petros, Vice President of Regulatory Affairs here at NAFCU, And today I am joined by Early Warning Services Chief Operating Officer Jose Resendiz. Um, Uh, Jose oversees EWS's fraud and risk management teams, and EWS is the network owner and operator of Zelle. Many credit unions partner with Zelle, so today's conversation is a really important one. Thank you, Jose, for joining me.
1: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here with you guys and uh, have a very nice conversation today.
0: Excellent. All right. Well, let's get into it. Um, what can you share first about, you know, the history of the network, the growth and, and what you've seen so far in 2023?
1: Yeah, and it's, um, you know, the early warning story is a phenomenal story. Um, as you mentioned, um, we are the operator behind the Zell Network, uh, that many of um, the NAFCU credit union's are able to offer to their members. But uh, for the last 30 years plus, the company has had a mission and an opportunity uh, to help uh, protect and secure financial services in general. So in our humble beginnings uh, more than 30 years ago, we started by providing risk insights to financial institutions that would help them power their account opening and help them make Um, informed decisions at the time of account opening, informed decisions uh, to validate deposits, check deposits, and then over time, more generally, to uh, provide risk insights on payments overall. Um, So the company has been serving uh, financial institutions and and the financial services industry for many years. Um, And uh, specifically around credit unions, we actually have more than 850 credit unions who today use our payment services and those risk insights around payment services. And about 500 community financial institutions that are leveraging our identity services to similarly make decisions around the risk of these entities. And so that foundation is what uh, has given us the opportunity to then extend into solving other needs that financial institutions have like helping their consumers, their customers, or their members, in the case of credit unions, help them pay others. Um, And so uh, Zelle was born. Uh, We're approaching our sixth anniversary. And just over the last few years, to give you a sense of the kind of growth that we've seen, uh, the Zelle network has enabled, through the partnership with nearly 2,000 financial institutions, many of them uh, who are credit unions, uh, the network has moved more than a trillion dollars.
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, I personally know a lot of people who use Zelle. I've used Zelle, so uh, it's an excellent platform. Um, specific to credit unions, you know, have credit unions seen a similar sort of growth story on the Zelle network? And what percentage of um, Zelle users are credit unions?
1: Yeah. Let me start with that last part. Um, So credit unions are a big part of the network as a whole. Uh, About a third of all the financial institutions that are on the network are credit unions. And about half of the growth in financial institutions that have gone live in uh, Anzal in the first quarter of this year uh, have been credit unions. So um, that's fantastic. More and more. Yeah, more and more. Financial institutions and specifically credit unions are coming on board and going live with Zelle to offer the service to their members. The um, approach we have taken is to really uh, try to serve uh, all consumers through all financial institutions in in the um, in the industry and community banks in general. So we we spoke about credit unions, but community banks in general have been uh, a critical pillar in the growth of the network. Uh, 97% of the financial institutions that joined uh, last year were all under $10 billion in assets, so they're um, smaller financial institutions uh, that now can, uh, you know, take advantage of um, the availability of the service to uh, offer that to their customers or to their members, mm-hmm. uh, which is which is very exciting. Uh, in part because the way we we think about this, if um, uh, A financial institution is uh, trying to develop that primary relationship uh, with their customers or their members, engagement is super critical, right? The more engaged that a customer is, the more likely that customer or that member is uh, going to um, use other services that the financial institution may be making available. Um, The more that that um, member, in the case of credit unions, is going to Participate in the other benefits and value that the credit union is offering, okay, uh, and so engagement know that is super critical. Very
0: well, our our members always talk about that. You know that stickiness that's so based on that relationship banking approach. Um, so you know it's something that we think is especially unique to credit unions. But I mean, you do see that in you know the community banks as well. It's it's different. You know, not to disparage the big banks, but <laughs> it's a different kind of approach.
1: You know, I, I in a previous life, um, I was a technology provider of uh, digital banking capabilities to uh, community and regional financial institutions. And we had a large base of credit unions in our customer base. Um, so I, I uh, coming to early warning um, a few years ago and working uh, with our network participants. It, it's been a bit of um, a return to working with a lot of similar financial institutions. We we spent time many years ago with credit unions like ESL Credit Union in in New York, uh, Redstone Federal Credit Union in Alabama, GCU in, in Texas, and we would we would do these work sessions around you know how do you serve your membership uh, uh, more. And that engagement was super critical. The proactively offering services so that you could complement the passion that credit unions have and the commitment that credit unions have to really get to know their community and their member base and uh, in a live manner, serve them better, complement that with a similar level of high quality services digitally so that when they're not there in person uh, they can still have that rich uh, experience and ease of use that they would expect from any financial institution, mm-hmm. uh, including the large institutions that um, uh, that have large investments in digital banking and in technology. And so, for me, it's been exciting to to be part of early warning and work with all of our participants and credit unions in in uh, the Zell network. Because sell enables that uh, higher engagement uh, mm-hmm. for those financial institutions.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, P2P payment platforms have just really changed the game in terms of how consumers send money and interact with one another, you know, you no longer have to write a check if you don't want to. I mean, I suppose some people still do write checks. (laughs) I do from time (laughs) to time. Um, But you know, what makes Zelle unique from other P2P platforms?
1: Yeah. You know, I um, I, I got to tell you a story. So I, I travel quite a bit uh, to visit our different sites uh, uh, where we have offices or or to visit some of our, our participants or our partners. And when I do... I like to wear my Zell t-shirt. Uh, and I have a Zell backpack. Uh, and so the logo is very visible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the logo is very visible. I I'm I'm uh I'm uh a, a walking billboard for for Zell in some ways. Um, and honestly, part of it is because it, it, I I do feel really proud uh to be part of the Zell team. And uh what is super exciting is the brand is so recognized by consumers that um uh, just to to maybe share a couple anecdotes, I was at the Phoenix Airport uh, a few weeks back, and as I was walking through TSA, the TSA agent asks if I work for Zell or at Zell, uh, and I say yes, and his response was, "I love it. Um, that is so awesome. It's so exciting. Giving me a fist bump, um, <laughs> and." Uh, <laughs> Uh, and of course, now I'm smiling, I'm super excited, and uh, and I'm asking, um, why why do you love it so much? Right. Uh, and uh, and his response is because it's so easy, and the money's just there. Um, so if somebody's sending me money, it's there, it's in my account, I can immediately start, uh, uh, using that money. Um, and I don't have to worry about it being held up somewhere else or having to pay any fees to get access to the funds that somebody just sent me. Um, and so, um, that response I hear over and over and over uh, as I talk to different folks, The differentiation is that it's super easy to use because it's already embedded within your mobile banking app. Mm -hmm. And it's super easy to access the funds when somebody pays you because it's just there and you can continue to transact out of your account the way you normally would um, at any other time. Um, So that real time um, effect for consumers, the ease of use is what makes a big difference. And, And again, it's the embedded part in the mobile banking experience that makes it very accessible mm-hmm. interestingly, uh, there are still uh, quite a bit of check. there's still quite a bit of check usage uh, and cash usage. Um and so this is a really good alternative to having to write a check, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, sending the check, depositing the check, and then having uh, the money available. Um and then similarly for cash uh, usage, We've heard stories uh, as we've gone out and and really tried to understand uh, consumer behavior of folks like um you know this this uh, young mother who has several children and would drive previously would drive to the ATM to get cash to pay her rent. um mm-hmm. and in some instances wow. that to help, you know, in some in some uh, in some instances to, to sort of manage her financials better, she would do this multiple times a month uh, because if she pulled the money out of the account, then she she wouldn't spend it and it would actually be, be going to her rent. Uh, so it would require multiple trips to do this um, versus with Zelle. She could send the, the, the rent payment through Zelle either all at once or, or in multiple payments throughout the month and have the same effect, but avoid the trip to the ATM, the trip to the landlord uh, to make the payment. Well, there's like um, a so safety really concern, a there
0: concern there too, concern. right? Having that that cash on you and and then <laughs> moving around with exactly. it. I mean, digital, um, you know, payment options really provide a safer alternative as well.
1: That's right. That's right. It's it's more secure and it's are safer and uh, and easier to use uh, and immediately immediately uh, available. Um, so so that that is part of what. Uh, differentiates uh, Zell uh, for consumers. But then for, for financial institutions and for credit unions, um, we did a study uh, recently to look at what impact does Zell have uh, for financial institutions that have enabled Zell for their customers or their members versus uh, not having it available. And part of what we found is that not only does Zell enable uh, a higher engagement with a financial institution because of the Zelle payments, but when you look at new users uh, for Zelle in a uh, at a at a given financial institution, they then also end up having three times more debit transactions versus uh, folks that do not use Zelle at that financial institution. And so what it's doing is because there's a higher engagement for the financial institution with Zelle, now there's also a higher engagement with other services that the financial institution offers, like um, the debit card uh, for debit transactions. Um, And that's for new users, for disengaged users, on average, When a disengaged user starts using Zelle, you know, a disengaged customer or member of the financial institution, when they start using Zelle, they then end up increasing uh, their debit transactions and and transact four times more than a control group. And so it was super uh, uh, fascinating and very interesting to to see the results of the study because what it is telling us is Zelle can help financial institutions increase that engagement. And it also has this halo effect on the use of other products the financial institution is making available. And it can be a a lever in their strategy to drive greater growth with new users, but also to reactivate those customers that have been disengaged and less active in their accounts. And that's critical to regain that primary relationship with its member base or its customer base uh, for, for a financial institution that has... Uh, a large number of members or customers um, that have been less active um, at their other institution.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a really compelling study. Thank you for, for sharing the results of that. Um, I have to imagine also that, you know, because you were talking about how Zelle is embedded into, you know, your existing mobile banking app, that it's just a, a more seamless process to resolve, you know, errors, for example, and, and work with your financial institution because it's just all in the same place, right? Unlike other, um, some other P2P platforms.
1: That's right. The financial institution has a lot more visibility into the activity um, and uh, and the experiences within the application. So there's a lot fewer handoffs to do when you're supporting uh, a a member that may call in with questions um, regarding a transaction. So the the financial institution has a better ability to uh, to resolve that. And I think that's also part of what ends up leading to the kind of growth that we're seeing um, and, uh, and it happens over time and it happens up front. So uh, if I could share uh, another story with you, Valley Strong Credit Union, a, a uh, NAFCU member uh, out in the San Joaquin Valley uh, in California, um, is one of these network participants on Zell that um, joined uh, recently and in the first seven months, they generated more than 440,000 transactions. Uh, just in the first seven months. So, those those were 440,000 transactions that were not happening before. And now, if you, uh, and that's through Zelle, and that's moving $61 million through peer to peer, person to person payments. You know, that's uh, separate from the additional debit transactions that we were talking about earlier that may have uh, now been generated as a result of offering Zelle. Um, And that was just in the first seven months. Then they just continued to to, uh, double the growth in the next year um, and serve their members better through the payment capability and through the overall kind of end-to-end digital experience that they offer that complements the deep connection to the community and their service to their members. In sort of more traditional interactions at the branches and out in the in the field in the community, uh, so super exciting um, to see these kind of experiences with with our our network participants and, and credit unions in particular.
0: Yeah, excellent. Well, thank you for for highlighting that you know story about growth um, and you know what opportunities exist with with uh, partnering and and working with Zelle and offering that to your members. Now, I'm going to ask a question that I think a lot of people are probably wondering, you know, given recent stories about fraud, um, you know, what have, what do you make of the perceived uptick in, in fraud, especially on P2P networks? I mean, you know, CFPB has been looking at this. There's just been a lot of chatter about this topic.
1: Yeah, you know, you're right. Fraud uh, in the p space has been attracting a lot of attention, media attention, policymaking, policymaker attention, over the past year or so. Um, from from uh, what we see, that perception isn't entirely consistent uh, with uh, with the reality of uh, what is happening in the networks, particularly Zell. And I can speak for Zell specifically, but uh, um, the the results that we have seen um, is that more than 99.9% of all transactions on the Zell network uh, move through without any kind of report or claim of fraud or scams, and and that just continues to improve. Um, even at the 99.9%, it just continues to 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 be an even higher percentage um, through first quarter of this year and and through what we're seeing on a on a regular basis. Um, so. The majority, 99.9% plus of those transactions uh, are, are free of, of uh, those claims or reports of fraud. But I think what the, uh, what the attention in the media um, and from policymakers does do is it helps create more awareness because at the end of the day, uh, it is still very important to educate consumers. Mm-hmm. And to educate um, uh, everybody involved um, across the the industry, from a financial services perspective, from a regulatory perspective, from a technology sector perspective, uh, to continue to improve and continue to add more capabilities uh, to protect payments in general, uh, P2P, but also other payments and other digital banking experiences as a whole. Um, so I think that that attention. Uh, can be helpful in terms of the awareness and the education that it could lead to. But the reality is uh, the uh, transactions going through P2P networks, particularly on the Zelle, which I can speak to uh, specifically, is, is again 99.9% without any kind of report of fraud or scams. And it's not by accident. So I'll say it's it's definitely very um, uh, uh, delivered results from the actions that the network takes. Uh, so we take uh, fraud risk mitigation very seriously. Uh, we invest in consumer education. Uh, we invest in providing tools and frameworks and toolkits and capabilities for financial institutions to both leverage other institution uh, to add controls, as well as to educate, You know, in the case of credit unions or member base, so that it makes it easy Uh, to expand and scale out that education and that outreach. Um, Internally within the network, uh, we have a governance model that does require financial institutions that are participating in the network to have a number of controls around authentication, around uh, reporting, around um, just fraud risk controls in general, to ensure that as a participant on the network, they're helping keep that network safe Mm -hmm. uh, and secure. Um, and so we provide a lot of, we have a governance network, uh, a framework around that. Uh, we provide tool capabilities to our network participants. And then as a network itself, uh, we also um, uh, have controls in place that helps us either um, identify a bad actor and then restrict that bad actor from the network or provide the insights to those network participants uh, through a service that we call Risk Insights for Zell um that allows the network participant to make an informed decision at the point of transaction or at the point of enrollment um, and make a decision do i let this transaction go through or do i restrict it um if there is a uh you know an individual that has been identified as a bad actor um, do i restrict that actor from the network um, or not and it's an informed decision based on a number of attributes related to that entity or to that transaction. Um, And so again, it's a combination of educating consumers, uh, sharing best practices across the network with all participants, leveraging the controls in place, both at a participant level, as well as at a network level, and then really working with all of our rest, uh, the rest of our our partners in in this space, uh, regulators, policymakers, uh, uh, you know, uh, associations like like NAFCU to share those best practices, to share the information, uh, and and drive that awareness and that um, uh, and that education, and uh, and really also encourage uh, regulatory agencies and and policymakers to um, help us solve the problem at its root as well. Uh, there's a lot that can be done from a technology sector perspective um, to um, limit spoofing. Um, and uh, and uh, and also to uh, mitigate the, the fraud activities that start uh, in marketplaces, in social media, uh, you know, in other areas where the conversation starts and then the money movement happens uh, through the payment mechanism. But but the conversation um, uh, and the activity starts somewhere else. And, and so. As a combined sort of team of uh, participants, a network, policymakers, technology providers—you know—we can come together to continue to to drive greater improvements. But in general, um, you know, across our, we see, uh, by, as I said before, more than ninety nine point nine percent of the of the uh, billions of transactions that have gone through without any kind of report or fraud or scam.
0: Right. Right. Um, I mean, I think you know, politicians will often, you know, find an issue and and sort of run with it and maybe exaggerate a little bit here or there <laughs> to, to try to achieve, um, you know, an end that they are, are looking to um, to achieve ultimately. But uh, you know, it, it it seems like a lot of those sort of imposter scams really are the the key issue here. And, you know, NAFQ is raised to the CFPB um in in previous engagements ab- about this issue, you know, that education really is key here. You know, getting to the the root cause of of this fraud is is going to be essential to resolving and um, you know, hopefully eliminating fraud. Um, but the burden shouldn't be entirely put on, you know, financial institutions like credit unions. Um, so, you know, what, what's the best case scenario for payment systems you know, going forward as it relates to fraud? You know, in other words, how do you think, you know, aside from education, we can minimize and eliminate fraud in, in the payment system? It's just yeah. that continued collaboration, you know, across all, all, uh, moving, you know, parts and players yeah. here.
1: Yeah. You know, b- building on what you said, uh, education is a big component, but at the end of the day, protecting consumers is a team sport. Yeah. Um, so it does require all of us working together in concert, uh, as an industry, uh, to reduce the number of bad actor accounts and, uh, Uh, and and mitigate any of that fraud activity, any of those uh, imposter scams, Uh, part of it is going to be um, informing and educating consumers a lot more. Part of it is just from a prevention perspective, having the right controls in place, um, uh, jumping in uh, proactively uh, you know, as I mentioned before, with a lot of what we've been providing to our network participants and continue to build on, so that they so that they can make informed decisions, um, and, uh, and sharing those best practices. But part of it is also working with the technology sector as a whole, um, and uh, uh, you know the the telecom industry um, to uh, mitigate the risk, as you mentioned, at its root. Where the spoofing is happening, where the imposter uh, sort of journey begins, um, so that you 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 prevent it there before it becomes uh, uh, anything else, um, and and so that's from a prevention perspective. And then from a mitigation perspective, it, it is also um, figuring out how we can get more information out there, and it's information that we can provide as as, as a network that participants can share with each other. Uh, but but that again, from a regulatory perspective, you know the CFPB can also invest more in education um, and in uh, sharing those best practices um, with um, consumers and with with uh, uh, the financial services industry. From our perspective, we continue to build on um, our risk insights for self service, and as I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation, the history of providing uh, risk insights for account opening experiences and deposits and payments, you know, this risk insights result builds on that uh, to provide more insights for the sending financial institution to know more about the receiving side uh, and therefore be able to incorporate a real-time insight that can help them make a better decision on letting that transaction go forward or not. So it'll help with mitigating, uh, continue to help with mitigating uh, fraud and scams. And then there's resolution. So, uh, when a a uh, you know a a fraudulent uh, uh, activity does happen, then from our perspective, we're looking at how can we provide all the necessary information to credit unions and to our network participants, so that they can help resolve the situation with their member or their customer. And and that is why from a a a network perspective uh we have requirements around reporting uh and the timeliness of that reporting and the thoroughness of that reporting because it typically involves two sides a sending and a receiving side um and and that way with all the right information the right decision can be made and the right resolution can be made for the consumer um where we could use some help uh from um you know from government agencies is when these bad actors are identified we can restrict them from the network. Uh, banks can restrict them from, uh, you know, from having an account of their financial institution. Credit unions can do the same, but um, then government can actually pursue uh, uh, essentially those criminals and, and uh, um, really resolve the situation from that perspective to prevent those criminals from continuing to perform those activities uh, at any other time in the future and in any other way. Um, and that would really help resolve... Um, you know, fraud, not just within the P2P space, but in payments and in financial services as a whole. So I think it is a multi uh, uh, prong approach of prevention and education, mitigation and then resolution. Um, but it is a team sport. We do need all parties to, to uh, uh, collaboratively work together in concert to continue to um, mitigate fraud risk. Um, and you know, building on a lot of work that's already been put in place uh to to minimize that impact, but it's a uh it's an ongoing uh, uh work um and uh and
0: collaboration that needs to happen, yeah, you know you mentioned the telecom industry, and a lot of what you described really um has very clear parallels, you know, with what the FCC has been trying to do to eliminate fraudulent calls and text messages. And, um, you know, of course, that that's a Similarly frustrating um, situation for credit unions and other financial institutions that are actually making legitimate communications to to their you know members and and consumers, um, and it it is a team sport there as well <laughs> because it requires you know your um, your voice service providers. Uh, to to step in and and collaborate with uh, callers and um, verify that you know the the communications that are coming through their networks are legitimate. So um, understood. So you know, are there any um, new developments, any exciting changes coming up uh, for Zell, you know in, in this respect or or otherwise? which we look yes,
1: forward well, to. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, I think maybe from, from, uh, uh, a few different angles, um, I shared earlier that it is, uh, for me, it's super exciting to to talk to folks about Zelle and hear their stories of how they use it. And the, uh, the, the common response is just how easy it is and, and, and how simple it is to then, uh, be able to use the money that you, you were paid. Um, but, but it is an ongoing journey for us. So continuously looking for ways to improve that experience, make it e- easier, make it more proactive in informing um, that user of how they can use the product. Um, so we, we launched uh, what we would call um, Zelle ready friends or Zelle ready contacts, so that you can see within your mobile banking application who within your contacts is already already enrolled in Zelle, um, and uh, and you can start using the product and sending money to those individuals. Um, but so as an example of improving the the experience, so uh, you know what's coming on, uh, to the Zelle network and our roadmap is is continuously looking for ways to to make the experience easier. Uh, we're also looking for ways to. Continue to improve the onboarding experience for network participants. Um, So, you know, as we think about uh, what I mentioned earlier, uh, a lot of the growth in number of financial institutions on the Zelle network is coming from community financial institutions, and then specifically coming from credit unions. So, we are working on programs and frameworks to help those uh, credit unions uh, get started, and then very quickly, um, just like Valley Strong. Um, get uh, uh, a uh, a big impact and a big improvement in their engagement. Get to a solid sort of maturity level of servicing and supporting um, uh, consumers on the network. So that onboarding experience. So thinking about it as not just going live, but going live and and having great results faster uh, and and even better results is uh, is a is an area of focus for us. Um, and uh, and then from a fraud risk perspective, you know we were talking earlier about the 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 analogy to it's a team sport and and multiple people coming together, multiple entities coming together to uh, uh, to invest and mitigate uh the risk it, it also requires a lot of innovation uh, and it is sort of an ongoing uh, it is an ongoing journey um. Uh, bad actors continue to get creative and innovative as well, right? And so we will continuously work on um, staying ahead of that and identify new ways of helping um, our participants to have the information they need. So uh, I mentioned Risk Insights for Zao earlier. Uh, We're continuously looking to see what other attributes, data attributes, uh, data insights we can provide through the service to again, help uh, the financial institution, the credit union um, have even more information to facilitate a great and easy to use experience, but also a safe experience. Um, so we're looking at that. We're looking to build more control so that uh, a bad actor that manages to, to um, uh, uh, be in the network that when identified can be removed and, and not be allowed to be in the network at all. Um, in the future, and again, that that is uh, 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 another way of continuing to help with this, not just from a prevention perspective, but also from a resolution perspective. Um, and um, you know, as a as a uh, as an organization that is um, regulated, we're, we're regulated rigorously by by um, uh, the OCC, the CFPB, um, and uh, and we. Uh, provide a lot of the risk management controls, again, through our governance model for um, all participants. We're also continuously looking for ways in which, uh, from a network perspective, uh, again, we can continue to provide the right governance Uh, and the right improvements in that governance uh, to ensure that everybody's able to keep up with high performance around mitigating fraud, high performance around um, continuing to see the growth uh, from a user perspective. And some of it, in some cases, particularly for smaller financial institutions and credit unions, is providing them with um, uh, a toolkit um, and a framework so that you can get started uh, much uh sooner or much faster than if you were building mm-hmm. something from scratch um so those are some of the things that we're working on continuing to improve the experience continuing to help financial institutions have the right tools at their disposal uh, to create a great experience and and uh and continue to 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 mitigate fraud risk um and do so in a way that uh you know takes into account uh and ensures the right governance and the right uh regulatory um uh requirements and support.
0: Excellent. Well, we will keep an eye out and stay tuned for all of those enhancements. Sounds like you all are uh, working on a lot of different things and and firing on all cylinders. Um so that that that's great to hear. Um so last question. Now, this summer we are anticipating the launch of FedNow. Is there a role for Zelle to play and, with regard to this launch, and and if so, what what is that role?
1: Yes, you know we've uh, we've actually been working with uh, uh, the FedNow team now for for some time, and it's exciting to to see that uh, you know they're going to be launching their uh, their rails this summer. Um, Zelle is as a network, provides a you know a user experience that financial institutions can embed in their mobile banking experience. and, and it provides a way to um, identify those users through a token and enable the messaging between those individuals uh, that are sending money to each other uh, uh, provides a messaging to enable that transaction to happen. But underneath that uh, is a settlement rail. Uh, that actually moves the money. And so the way that we've uh, designed Zelle is to support multiple rails. So today, transactions on Zelle move the money through the ACH rails or the real-time payments rails that are owned by the clearinghouse. Uh, In some cases, uh, we support uh, debit rails. So uh, FedNow, uh, as an exciting uh, uh, real-time payments uh, rail, is another rail that we could support, and so that is why we've been we've been uh, you know uh, working with the FedNow team to look at when they're ready, when it launches, um, and uh, when we've uh, worked together, we can build a plan, we can uh, do the right integration, and with the right testing, we can support it as we support other. Uh, other rails today. So it is, exci- it is an exciting time for the FedNow team. We're excited for, excited for them. And, uh, and uh, we, we uh, have an opportunity to work with them just like we do with some of the other settlement rails.
0: Great. Well, sounds like another exciting enhancement, if you will, to, to keep an eye out for. All right. Well, that does it for my questions. you have anything else that you'd like to, to share with our viewers and listeners before we close out?
1: And thank you for having me um, today to to have this conversation and share with you guys uh, some of our perspectives, uh, both on the industry and payments and in Zelle on Zell specifically. Uh, you know, I, I want to thank um, all of the, the members at NAFCU, the credit unions that are part of the, the network and encourage others to uh, reach out um, through their technology providers uh, to take part in the network. We are constantly looking for ways to continue to collaborate and serve you and your members better, and we definitely thank you for the partnership for the, the hundreds of credit unions that are already on the network. I am uh, very happy to, um, you know, have future conversations. Uh, And again, thank you for having me today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. This is an important conversation. um, And you're welcome back anytime, Jose. (laughs) <laughs> I'm sure we will we will have more opportunities to, to chat about exciting topics in the payment system. So thank you to all of our viewers and listeners for tuning into today's exciting discussion on the payment system and Zelle with EWS's Jose Resendiz. Um, if you enjoy watching or listening to The Cup, please show your support by subscribing and uh, hitting the like bu- button and turning on your notifications. So you get alerts for new episodes of The Cup. Also, please send us your recommendations for topics that you'd like to hear about. We're happy to feature those topics in future episodes. So that does it for today. Until next time.